Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rice and Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Tung Nguyen, and today I'm joined by a very old school friend of mine. His name is Tony Nguyen. Tony Nguyen. Tony, how are you going today? Good, man. Um, geez, it's been a very long time since we've, uh, since we've really caught up. So we go quite a long time back since we were kids. I remember you in primary school. Yeah. Yeah. Vietnamese school. Remember the old days? Vietnamese Viet, school. Vietnamese school was probably um, school. quite a, an interesting time. It was an inter- interesting time. That's yeah. when we were going into high school. And I think that's kind of where we split paths. Hey? How is your Viet actually? It's pretty good. That's the thing though, right? Because I grew up speaking North Vietnamese. So my family's oh, yeah. from the North side. And then when I moved down to Cabramatta, because originally I grew up in Marrickville and everyone up there speaks North Vietnamese. Oh. Yeah, around that way. I thought you were in Cabra the whole time. No, no. I, yeah, I grew up in Marrickville. So, like, the first bit of my life was in Marrickville and everyone up there just spoke North Vietnamese. So, that's what I was used to. Oh. And when we moved down to Cabramatta and then my dad got me into Vietnamese school, it was South, like, Southern Vietnamese. So, you guys had a whole different dialect and I was like, oh, this is completely different. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I went to Viet school. Yeah. Well, did it help you? Yeah, it did. Help me to read, but... It confused me more than it helps me, to be honest, because it's, it's different when, when, when you speak North and South Vietnamese, like the pronunciation is very different. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. It, that, it confused me more than it helps me, really. Where were the bad kids in Viet school, man? Yeah, but that, yeah, well, we didn't really care about Viet school. It was, a bit, it was just a bit of a bludge. It we were just the there because our bludge. parents taught us to yeah, go. Yeah, it was the biggest bludge. But it was a good time. I think that was like the time we hung out most. And then yeah, like yeah. in primary school. When we were in like year four, year five, year six. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And a bit, bit in high school. And after that, we kind of had different social groups. Cap- Cabramatta Creek. <laughs> the old Cabramatta Creek bushfires. Riding fires. bikes. Riding bikes. Oh, we were, we were fucking yeah. cool kids. You Quite. taught me how to ride a ripstick, actually. Oh, did I did I? remember that. Really? I think you had like a red one or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you taught me how to ride it, man. And I still know how to ride it to this day. That's so good. At yeah, least that's I've got one so now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still ride one of those here and there. My wheels are just flat now. They're not round anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like the old scooter. Oh man, razor scooters are probably the biggest lady killers when you you're when you're a you know a little kid. Yeah, riding down the street with one of those down <laughs> yeah. the cul-de-sac. The cul-de-sac. <laughs> All right, so before we just branch off more, mm. let's begin with um, a little more context on who Tony is. So, without saying too much, like a job interview, Tony, why don't you tell us a bit, bit about yourself? So. Uh. Uh, <laughs> What are we here for, you know? Yeah, dude, I've done this like the last three months, like literally nearly every week. I've had so many interviews. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, basically, me and Tung, we go way back from when we were kids. Uh, we went to school together through primary, like I said, Viet school. We did high school together. And then I guess that's kind of where we just went our own ways. Um, still kept in contact, though. You know, still see Tung outside of school. You know, when, when we graduate, it catch up here and there. But now, you know, it's completely different. I'm, uh, I just finished uni. So I just finished up in doing my bachelor's of commerce. Uh, I've been working in hospitality now for the last like, five years, just going about, kind of moved out of the whole area, living on my own now, kind of different circle of people around me. But it's always good to come back and just talk and seeing old friends. That's, that's the best thing about just, you know, catching up, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned you were doing hospitality for five years. Mm. So, were you studying like part-time during that? Yeah. So, that was like a kind of a weird phase. Like, I never wanted to get into hospitality. I, th- I think like in year nine was when I kind of first... I, I've always been interested in business. 
Mm. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you remember, but in year nine, I used to walk around school trying to sell things like from my backpack. Like I used to buy things from China, like heaps of like <laughs> Ali, AliExpress. Alibaba, AliExpress. Yeah. The, so you were the original dropshipper. I was the original dropshipper. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, I like that. You know, because um, I I worked like in year eight towards the end. I had a job working at Eagle Boys. Oh Shout out to god. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony got me that gigs from Ratchana. So we were working there for like two months and I remember it was someone's birthday and uh, I just called them up and I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit because I want to go to someone's birthday. And I was, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was pretty stupid, but um, that was like my first taste of working and then and, and, and like being in the real world, I guess. Yeah. And I liked it. Um, but then I didn't want to go back. So I was like, Oh, you know, I became interested in like other ways to make money. And I found out about like, you know, buying things online and selling them. I remember back then in United, everyone, the vans were the shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, snapbacks. People Ooh, wanted snapbacks. That's yes. when Beats by Dr. Dre came out. So I used to get heaps of them off um, Alibaba and AliExpress. Oh, the knockoffs. The knockoffs, though, yeah. And, and so I sold them at school. I used to sell them to like a um, couple of people from the grades below us. Tried selling it to Dragon once, selling it to Vinny. So one of um, our school friends. Yeah, some of our school friends. I did tell them that. I was like... It's, they're it's cheap. fake. They're fake. Oh, right. It's cheap, and if you want, you want to flex, come and get them. But I did that. Um, but I liked it. Yeah, I liked it, and I, I think that's when I knew I was like, I, I actually want to do this when I'm older. Like, I want to get into business, like sales. That's More kind of like running my own business. Mm. I didn't have a specific um, idea in mind of what kind of business I wanted to run, but I knew I wanted to do something in that field. Um, but then it led to finance, actually. So I became interested in finance from that because I was interested in well, money, basically. And I came from watching... I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen Limitless, that movie? Was that the one with takes, the pill? Yeah, yeah. Use 100% of your brain or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he um, becomes like some millionaire because he trades stocks. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's, so, that's so cool. So I, I, I learned that. I was like, in year 10? You were stock trading? No, I wasn't stock trading, but I wanted to get into it. Oh, so right. I was learning a bit here and there. You couldn't really trade uh, until like 17. I kind of got into... Um, like paper trading, which is like trading with fake money. Oh, yeah. And I did that until I did that for like six months. Like I did some online courses for it. Like I took it quite serious, studied that. Oh, wow. um, and then that's when I was like, oh, well, I want to get into this field, you know, finance, business, real estate, that whole lot. And then when I was 18, I saved up like four grand and I was like, I'm ready. Let's do this. So I put the money in the market. I thought I could day trade. So I thought maybe I'll go YOLO on this little penny stock. Yeah, it was like yeah. 20 cents that I bought in at. And the day that I bought in was actually, was at the all-time high. Oh, my God. So it never actually went up. From 4,000, every single day I looked at it, it just kept going lower and lower. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to accept it as it is and just write this one out. Instead of cutting my losses, I just wrote it out. And yeah. now it's like negative 4,000. I can't even sell it. But I was what? like, yeah, that was like the biggest lesson I learned, like getting out of high school, thinking like I was ready. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, putting your money in and then just losing it all. And yeah, so I'd say cut your losses short. But yeah, back to the whole like question that you're asking. That's what I want to do. You know, that mm. was what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into that field and hospitality just came by chance. Yeah. So like um, Eric and Keith actually got me the job in hospitality. They're also... School friends? Yeah. So Eric and Keeve, Tung knows them as well. We all went to high school together. They came in a bit later in the picture though. They came in around like what, grade nine? Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah I was friends with them. I was a 
pretty sure Tung was friends with them as well in the class and whatnot. But yeah, they got me into that. Yeah, so they got me into hospitality. Wait, uh, what did you study at UNSW actually? Yeah, so I studied commerce, um, finance. You know what I've you know what what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. So I studied that, and then basically, yeah. If you want, we could talk a bit about how I got into hospitality from Eric and Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna um, expand on that. Yeah. So what they came up to you and they were like, "Do you want to make big bucks working as no. something in hospo?" Or? There was there was no big bucks. No, I wasn't even thinking about like big bucks at that time. I was working in sales. Originally, I was working in Kmart. At the end of like towards year eleven, year twelve, I was working at Kmart oh, with Junior nice. from school as well. <laughs> and then he left, and I stayed there. So I stayed at Kmart until you know until we finished high school, and I was like, oh, I want to try something different. And there was this gig that came up for um, the Daily Telegraph, working in sales. And oh. I was like, oh, I want to try this because I thought it would be a good investment in myself as well. You know, I've always been a bit shy. Mm. I wasn't really talkative, whatnot, kind of closed off. So I thought this would be a good chance to really put myself out there. And so what you had to do in sales was just, I was standing in the shopping center and it was one of those people who would just walk up to you. Oh, those guys. One of those Ugh. guys. Yeah. And I'd follow you and, I, I, and I'd talk. But that, that was a hard job. Yeah. 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 Not many people wanted to talk to you. A lot of people kind of just abused you. But it, it was good. It was good for me. I learned a lot about it. I learned a lot about myself. You get and used to like rejection and stuff. Yeah, definitely rejection yeah. handling the whole lot, and mm. like, then you kind of figure out how to talk to people in a way that yeah. will keep them interested. So you kind of become like uh, you play like a different mask, you put on a different mask for certain type of people, and you kind of like uh. learn how to read people as well. Um, you know, you kind of look at you know, how they are, and you kind of get an idea of how you want to approach them. Yeah, instead of just trying to stick with one line for every every person, you switch mm. it up a bit. And that, that helped a lot. But then I didn't like it afterwards because, yeah, it got to the point where it just drains you. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. And you got managers on your back. You got KPIs that you need to hit. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't like that. And then, um, yeah, Eric and Keith came out because they've been working in hospitality now for like a couple of months. And these guys were loving life. Yeah, they were loving life. They were like, oh, it's so good. We get paid to drink at work. You get uh, the party. They were bartending, right, at the time? At that time, they weren't bartending, actually. They were just glassies. But they loved it. What's a glassy? A glass is this, like, you're just picking up glasses off the ground. Just yeah. the guy walking around the walking build, around. club and or building and just... Yeah. You got a basket table. in your hand, you're picking up glasses. Oh, yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The most simple, yeah. simple job. But they loved it. These two, they killed it. They loved it. And like, they got me into it because they were like, oh, you know, if you're not working in the sales, why don't you just come try it out? Yeah. And, you know, work, work at a club is so fun. You know, we get drunk, there's heaps of people, it's good energy, you get, to, you feel cool, you, you have fun at work. And I was like, oh, I didn't really want to do it straight away. So I was like, I'll give it a bit of time. Mm. And then I think I got to the point where I was like, okay, you know what? I'll just try something new. And so I came in and my first shift was just getting drunk with them as well. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is not bad. I could do this. And then um, it worked out well because it was only Friday, Saturday night that you had to work. Right. So essentially you, you give up your weekends, but you're working. And at that time I started studying. So it was good for me to just work, you know, Friday, Saturday nights and then have Monday to Friday just to study and do, do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Full-time studying yeah. at the time. So I started working there as a glassy and kind of just been at it since kind of worked my way up 
And then I was like, oh, if I'm going to stay here, I might as well try to be the best, you know. So I was a glassy and I was like, I want to be the best guy on the floor. Yeah. And then that worked out and they were like, oh, do you want to become a supervisor? And I was like, sweet. Supervisor of the glasses. Of the glasses. Yeah. What is that even? Leader of the glasses. <laughs> Make sure you're running fast <laughs> enough to the tables. and. No, nah, well, if you want me to break down the whole structure, um, you have glasses and you have barbacks. They're, they're like the people who are like in the bars, helping the bartenders. Mm-hmm. It's, quite, it's quite structured when you're working in a nightclub. So you have people on the floor who bring glass to the bar and you have the guys in the bar who you know, wash the glass, replenish the bar, do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like real menial tasks, but you got to be good at it because you make the job easier for the bartenders. And that time I took it very serious because I was like, I want to make the most out of this. Like I want to be the best now. Mm. Uh, And I want to, you know, I actually want to have fun at this job, see where it takes me. And then I was like, oh, why not try and be a bartender? And that was the hardest bit. They never, yeah, it's it's a bit, it's a bit hard to become a bartender when you start off as a glassy. They they really want to keep you there for for a long time. Kind of like a, some sort of initiation phase. (laughs) Yeah. You stay there for like a year or two. Yeah. Um, but I was, I, was, I was barbacking slash glassing for like eight months. And then I finally was able to get on the bar. And that's when I was like, oh, this is perfect now. Now I get to say like, you know, I'm a bartender. So you need your RSA, RCG for every role in there, right? Yeah, yeah. If you want to work in any licensed venue, selling okay. alcohol even at a Dan Murphy's, you need an RSA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even if you're just like um, the, the glassy guy. Yeah, yeah. You need an RSA, yeah. Because oh. you're still touching you know alcohol yeah. yeah if you're touching alcohol handling any alcohol yeah you need an rsa right, right yeah yeah how did you define yourself as being the best glassy were you um i to be honest i got that off keith and eric because i never like who, i never wanted to go in and be like oh, i want to be the best at picking up glasses yeah you know I, I, you have to go mop the floor and stuff like that it's like real like dirty work mm. but these guys loved it like they they wanted to be like the best at it too, <laughs> to show like that the, they're all the best. Yeah. yeah, and um and that that worked out for them. Like they both became supervisors and like well, unfortunately they left, but if they stayed, they definitely would have been like been up there right now. Yeah, yeah. But I got that drive from them, because I'd never really like been in that environment, and I kind of like just fed off me, and I was like, oh yeah, well I want to be the best because. You know, I want to make it look. I want to impress these people too. Yeah, yeah. you know, because um, like we all. Like it, it was, it was, it was, diff- it was a very different environment to be in. First off, we're the only Asians in there, like oh, three right. skinny Asian boys. Yeah, because because I'm well for context, we don't know the the bar, the that venue. You work okay, at. yeah, let's yeah. Well, if it's called wanna, the Argyle yeah. in the rocks, um, in the city. So there's a lot of backpackers, foreigners, a lot of people from all over Sydney come there, but there's not many people from the area that come by. So not a lot of Asians. Not a lot of Asians. Yeah. yeah. Not compared to like you know, marquee on a Friday night or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And especially like coming out of high school, like we're so used to the circle yeah, you know, yeah. of, of our friends, of like, you know, growing around with Asians around you. So then stepping into this environment, I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, um, this is different. You know, you kind of act a bit different as well, but then you kind of get used to it and you're like, no, there's no point needing to act different. Just be yourself. Um, what do you yeah. mean by acting different? Well, for me, it's like, when I step into a different environment, you, you kind of get a bit overwhelmed. Um, you know, you're in a different space. There's different people around you, so you kind of feel a bit reserved. You don't really want to. Yeah, you get a bit shy. That's how I felt. You know, maybe for other people, they can 100% comfortably be themselves. But for me, I felt a bit overwhelmed because I've never been in this environment before. 
you know, being so used to like having the people that you know just being in your comfort zone, especially if you spent like the last 12 years of high school. Like this is mm -hmm. a job straight out of high school. So yeah, in a completely different environment. I was like, oh, it's a bit different. For me it was, yeah. But for Eric and Kip, I think they just thrived in it. Yeah. 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 I think that definitely does uh, make a lot of sense because mm. if you're in high school, if you're working, you'd, it'd probably be something like fast food mm. and you're dealing with pretty much like the same people mm. if you're working in the kitchen, for example. Mm. But in like a bar scene that you might have been in, then you're dealing with like hundreds and hundreds of different people a day that you mm. have to interact with mm. compared to like, yeah, with fast food, it's just like a, you know, one minute interaction. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it's like a whole different demographic as well. Like uh, this mm. is thinking back then, you know, right now it's a lot different, but back then, like when you're yeah 18, it's a whole different like demographic. So you're quite overwhelmed, you know, you're in a whole different environment and whatnot different mm. people around you so yeah i guess what you're saying is quite, quite true in the sense that you know it was different and whatnot did you do like a course for bartending no no i've seen those are those like a scam or what yeah i don't they don't work like now that i'm in like you know the position where i look after like the hiring of people and stuff they can put that on their resume but it doesn't really matter too much you know it's more about like you can do that course but it doesn't help because when you're in the actual bar working, there's like 50 people looking at you at once or even 100 and mm. you're like five deep, which is like five lines. Oh, Yeah, wow. and everyone's just staring at you. <laughs> they don't really teach you that at, at, at a school, yeah. I don't imagine. I've never been to one of those schools and it's more like mixology or whatnot. They're, they're trying to do making those fancy cocktails. You don't really have time to make those and uh. looking all perfect like that. So it's all about... It's all about um, I guess that's why they have that structure of where they're more keen to hire people and start them off as barbacks and make them work on the floor and whatnot and then get them in the bars slowly because right. they get used to the environment, the pressure and whatnot. Yeah. So, so how'd you deal with that starting off? So when I, when you're a glass, you don't have to talk to anyone. So yeah. it's easy. That's why you could get drunk on shift. Wait, do you just ask like the bartenders for drinks? Is yeah, that it? Yeah, I was just be like, oh, can I get like a drink? Don't managers kind of like turn yeah, their nose up? You get, you, get you get, you got to be real sneaky about it. So many people oh. get fired, yeah. But um, yeah, you, you can drink on the job quite easily. So it's a bit naughty, but yeah, you can drink on the job. You don't have to talk to customers. So it just makes work easier. You're a bit drunk. Plus there's, when you're drunk, yeah. Yeah, and, there's, it, and you're in a nightclub. So there's music pumping. That's so nice. you're, 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 And that's kind of like when it clicked for me. I was like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. And then, um, yeah, so you're working there and then kind of when you step into a bartending position, obviously that's when you got to start talking to people. And I guess that's where like working in sales previously, it helped a lot. Um, and then just being able to deal with people on a different scale now, you know, people are drunk now. So oh, you, it's even worse. Yeah, you get to learn how to talk to them differently. And But then you, yeah, you, you've, you, you have fun, you know, you have fun, you just be yourself now. So you kind of grow into it. And then just makes it easier for you. And then just becomes more of, doesn't really feel like a job. Yeah. How do you learn all of the different drink combinations and the names of everything? Yeah. Because there are like hundreds and hundreds. And when I go to a bar, mm. I only know like probably two, like like a probably a vodka orange or something. Uh, I'm yeah. just so simple. Like, I don't know what to get. Yeah. So Not many people do actually. Like uh, when, when you're in a nightclub, not many people order like some random cocktail from like some book they read. It's very yeah. Most of the time, it's the same type of drinks, like vodka, mixed drinks and whatnot. Um, but for me, 
I wanted to become a bartender. So we used to, they used to do like a lot of training sessions. Um, oh. They have a lot of partnerships with like these big spirit companies and they bring in their like representatives, like all these brand ambassadors. They come in and do a lot of trainings as well. So there's always opportunities for you to train and learn a lot of new things. And like I had that whole mindset of, oh, you know, I want to progress. I want to move up. I want to you know be the best at this and whatnot. So I always took advantage of that. And then I took it on my own initiative, you know, because I wanted it so bad. Um, cause I was like, I don't want to fucking pick up glasses for the next two years. Yeah. Um, so I like, I'll watch YouTube videos you know, on I'll, your own time, on my own time. Right. I'll go to Keith's house. We'll bartend there. Like buy. Oh, buy, really? Yeah. Like, well, he had a little bar set up. We'll, we'll practice there. And yeah, he bought like oh, wow. books. Yeah. Like, like really took, into it. Yeah. We got into it. I was, I was like serious. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to freaking pick up glasses. Yeah. And, um, I think it just came with patience as well. And just like waiting for the right time. And then when that opportunity came, you learn more on the job now. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like when you do those courses, you learn all the theory side of things. But when you get into the applying it, mm. it's very different. So I learned a lot more doing it than I did outside of, you know, reading books and stuff. I did learn a lot more on the job. So I guess it's applicable to a lot of other things in life though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever come across a situation where a customer ordered something and you didn't know what it was or how to yeah. do it? Yeah, my first shift. Yeah, my yeah. first day on the bar. But then that's the thing. You just don't be afraid to ask, you know, and that's what I learned straight away. I was like, mm. um, I'm not going to try and fake this. I just asked the person next to me, you know, what's this? Oh, the, your, your colleague? Yeah. Oh. Um, I thought you meant like asking the customer. Oh, no, no, no. Sometimes I used to ask, like when you, I really don't know what, because yeah. there's people who come from like different countries and they'll ask for a drink and you'll be like, oh, what's that? And then it will turn out to be like a vodka orange, but they'll oh. call it like a screwdriver or something. And you'd be like, oh, okay. We call it vodka orange. Oh, interesting. Here. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like American people. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that that'll happen here and there. But most of the time, yeah, if I don't know anything, I'll just ask like one of the supervisors and something like, or whoever is working with me. But then I kind of get used to it because we have a menu and then you learn the menu and then oh, okay. you oh, just serve what's on the menu. But then when you're talking about like back to what you were asking earlier, where there's hundreds of different cocktails, that happens. But then through experience and through just on the job learning, you you get used to it and you kind of know like, yeah, you kind of get familiar. There's like a, it, it gets real, it can get real complicated, but most cocktails are like variations of down to the classics, basically. They're just different modifications. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so if you know that, you kind of get an idea of what all the other cocktails are. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you're a manager, do you look at the glasses and yeah. make sure they're not drinking? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it, it's a bit weird now, actually, because it's like, yeah. So basically when I was bartending, I was drinking here and there too. And then oh, when no. I was bar supervising, I was leaning more towards that side. Now I was like, oh, okay, now I've got to look out for people not drinking and stuff like that. So I kind of started doing that when I was in the supervisor role. So when I stepped into the management role, it's kind of like, you know, it's there, you know, people are doing it. I just try to make sure that like, I enforce it. Like you, you make sure that, like people know that you can get fired for that. Like mm. it's not, it's not the right thing to do, even though I used to do it myself. And like a lot of my friends got sacked because of it too. I think I just got really lucky. Oh. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, people were aware. You know, but yeah. um, we we do heaps of things like we drink after work a lot. That's kind of what helps people as well. Like, because mm. it's quite gruesome work when you're working like ten hours, just getting pumped, and then you can see why people want to have a drink. But yeah, you do heaps of other things to help people out. We go out a lot, 
steam of the hospital people party pretty pretty hard so i'm told <laughs> when i interviewed like junior yeah and, and norman they, yeah. they love to eat good food yeah when i had to eat with them once and it was like just the three of us just some random restaurant and we spent like a hundred each Oh, and, yeah. and and for, to me that's like a really good like j barbecue or like fine dining or something but to them it's like bro this is just like a random night for us man we normally <laughs> go to like 300 per person like what the fuck oh uh, <laughs> they those, love good food yeah well, those guys are chefs so yeah yeah for me it's like that's a lot of money but <laughs> bartenders are a bit more skit on their money yeah. yeah you're always trying to get free drinks it's more easier to get free drinks but yeah 300 dinners man that's insane yeah i got a keen eye i guess I guess. <laughs> so what sort of hours are you doing for your shifts? Oh uh, yeah, you do like long hours, man. So you'll when you're running in a nightclub, you'll start at like four o'clock. So you do twelve hour shifts. Mm. Um, you know, that's at the end of the week, Friday, Saturday that you do two, uh, those twelve hour shifts and then throughout the week it's not a nightclub, it's more of a bar restaurant. So it'll, it'll cut a bit shorter. But it's not bad for me. If you were full time, I guess it'd be pretty crazy. Like you only get paid a fixed amount of hours and you most likely will end up doing a lot more hours than you paid for um, but for me I was on a casual rate so I was like a casual manager at the time because mm-hmm. I was still studying so that's why it was such a good gig to be able to still study get paid by the hour and work as a manager with them being pretty long shifts did you have much time to do anything after yeah well because I was a casual I only had to work three days a week um, that's what, how what time are you finishing though you finish at 4 a.m Oof, yeah it's rough. It, it's rough you get home like five five thirty you get to sleep at like six it's daytime already yeah it's daytime but that's kind of what you get used to you know yeah. um that's that's your lifestyle now but then you have four days off to do whatever you want you know you have four days off because you've already worked like for me at, you i've worked my hours like it's enough to get me going for the week those three days mm. of work but then you have you know times where like you, you can spend the whole day doing things and you only have to go to work at night so the lifestyle for you is you d- you get things done during the day mm. and then at night you obviously you sacrifice your sleep and then on the weekend you sleep during the day but still I, I enjoyed that that lifestyle i enjoyed the fact that you know i could have like more days off to do things throughout the weekdays instead of the weekends it's less busy to go out you do other things that you like there's not many people around so you kind of yeah that's your lifestyle yeah You've probably been asked this a lot, but what's your favorite drink? Probably Amaretto Sour. Oh, that's the one with the egg, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. It's, it's weird when you people see you crack an egg in it. It's like, yeah. Oh. But yeah, that's my favorite drink. It's, real it's actually really good. Yeah. Uh, Endel showed me it the other other night when we were out. Yeah. And he was like, bro, we got to go to um, what's the place called? Employees Only. Oh, uh, yeah. And he's like, we got to get like the Amaretto Sours. It's so good, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, was, I tried. I was like, holy shit, this is actually really nice. And yeah. It's got an egg in it, but what? Yeah, just an egg bite. It sense. It's just like, um, that's how it gives it that foam. It just emulsifies like the proteins from the egg whites. Right. And it gives it that foam. Yeah. It's, it's a nice cocktail. It's very interesting, actually. That cherry flavor you get, it's mm. not even from a cherry. It's from a nut. It's almonds. What? Yeah, it's some sort of nut from like Italy. Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good cocktail. So, people are listening who want to have a drink and it's got good taste. Do you notice any trends in the industry? Like in terms of like popular drinks, stuff like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's quite interesting, but you can kind of get uh, like different demographics have certain drinks. Like uh, a lot of the Asians that come in always ask for Agua Bombs. Everyone's always drinking agua bombs out here. It's just agua and Red Bull. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Or Long Islands. Long Islands, the yeah. classic from uh, Sanctuary Hotel. Sanctuary, yeah. And all the all the backpackers, they drink beers. Yeah. Yeah. So you you, you always have a backpacker asking for or a like cheap Guinness? beer. No, we didn't really sell Guinness. No, I think that's more like the Irish guys. Yeah. The English people. Like so what Guinness. kind of beers do they aim for the, usually then? The, the, the backpack is just the cheapest one, man. Cheapest one. That's all you hear. What do you have? What's the cheapest? They'll be like, what's your cheapest beer? Eight bucks for a schooner. It's like 300 mils. What beer would that be? Back then we used to have like, our company had our own brewery. So oh, wow. it was just like our house beer. Yeah. Oh. But now that we've got like partnerships with like those CUB companies. So like we sell like pure blonde four pines and all that stuff. But yeah, you in terms of that question of the trends, you kind of yeah see like different demographics drinking like certain yeah, yeah. drinks. So like when people come in, I can get an idea of what they're going to drink. Oh, you already like, that. like you yeah make bets to yeah. yourself or something. I do, yeah, yeah. Like I'll see like a group of people from the area that come in. Yeah, I'm like these guys going to ask for a Long Island <laughs> or Agua Bomb. Uh, I'll see some backpackers or a Jaeger Bomb or something. Jaeger Bomb, yeah. yeah, or a beer. A lot of. Uh, the Caucasian crowd, girls mm. drink like rosé, white wine, rose, all yep. the sweet stuff. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, there is there isn't really many trends in terms of what people drink, but you kind of get an idea of um, if the if I want to answer that question, you get an idea from just like sort of the demographic as well. Mm. So what's popular within like different kind yeah. of cultures, I guess. Yeah. People. Yeah, definitely. Even like younger and older crowd, younger people will drink a lot more mixed drinks. The older crowd will go for more the classic cocktails, mm. like a mojito. Yeah, and you got the corporate crowd who drink like old fashions. Yeah, kind yeah. of fits the stereotype quite well. A lot of people, yeah, as as much as you don't want to do that, they kind of like yeah, they fit it out. Yeah. So in your job, you do mention you meet a lot of backpackers, mm. and you did mention to me outside of this that you have met up with them like outside of work when you travelled overseas. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that's the cool thing about Hospo as well. Um, I kind of stepped into a, a closed mind. You know, I was like, oh, I didn't want to do this. Like the, the only reason why I went in was to hang out with my mates and just get drunk. But then <laughs> it became, yeah, a real big eye opener for me. You meet like so many different people from different backgrounds. You know, people who were like lawyers in their countries back home come over here on a working holiday to pick up glasses with you. Like, that's insane. Like, I, oh, wow. yeah, I had a friend. He was like, he was much older than us. Like, he would have been like 30. And we were like 19 at the time. Yeah. And he was a lawyer back home in Brazil. And he was over here on a working holiday, just picking up glasses of us. <laughs> and they Why? loved it because they wanted, they didn't like it. They didn't like what they were doing back home. Yeah. They didn't like how their country was at the time. There's heaps of reasons, but it's pretty, yeah. For me, I was like, oh, wow, like you guys, that's bold move you know to drop yeah. such a stable and secure job and you know coming over here and just picking up glasses but yeah they they had like you know they, they loved it and that's kind of where i was like had that moment of realization where i was like oh that's that's quite like courageous you know kind of mm -hmm. gave me like some insight where i started getting into this whole deep like introspective state where i started thinking heaps as well and i was like oh i want to go and travel you know i want to go like i want to do some things that i want to do before i you know, follow that typical route of trying to you know finish uni as soon as you can and get in the job straight away mm. and so you meet all these people and you learn from you know where they come from their backgrounds and that's when you you know you really open your eyes like holy crap the world's like so big yeah. um and then yeah i become friends of like people from different countries and that's kind of where i was you grow these friendships and it gets 
they're quite like you go through different cycles because people only stay here for a short period of time they go home so like the turnover rate's pretty high yeah then. it is very high mm. but then you, you you keep these friendships with them and so yeah when you go overseas i always try and make like a plan to try and see a lot of my friends and i, I kind of guess that's how i got into like traveling at that stage too and it's pretty cool if you get to go over somewhere and get free accommodation and oh, meeting nice. someone who lives there and stuff like that <laughs> it helps heaps yeah so where have you been overseas like a quick overview yeah um so i went like a, on a solo trip in 2017 mm -hmm. my plan was to go and live in europe for like a whole year oh wow yeah or even longer if i could so before i did that i, I flew out to dubai um, and i just stayed there for a week and that was like the first leg of my trip by myself and it was pretty good you know that was like me being completely out of my comfort zone now you know you're in and being in a country like that it's pretty uh solo too yeah it's pretty full-on like the rules there are, like i was scared i was gonna get like put in jail for doing something <laughs> silly like if showing you, your ankle or something yeah, yeah if you jump on a train there's a section you cannot go in it's only girls only oh, yeah. only, only females can go in yeah so I went in the wrong section and these, the police officers over there, they walk around like, they're like military guards. Oh, wow. Yeah, they walk around with guns and they'll just come in and they'll just like tell you straight up in Arabic. <laughs> and I'm like, what's do? going on? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh. And then, but luckily in Dubai, you know, it's a bit more westernized. So mm. there's heaps of people around from different countries. So they helped me out. And then I stayed there for a week and then I had a friend that lived in Nepal um, so I flew over to Nepal and I stayed there for about two months um, in Nepal. And that's when I kind of like spent the bulk of my trip doing a lot of things and trekked a lot. Did like a base camp trip. I was like, oh, I want to go see Everest. But we didn't really do Everest. We did a different mountain. Um, so it was cool. I stayed there. And that's kind of the perk of having, you know, having a friend in a country like that. They can help you heaps. You don't speak, they don't really speak English there. So it was good to have someone look after you. And then oh, and they show you around. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I stayed at his house. He took me everywhere. Um, and then I went over to Europe after that. And then that's kind of where I had other friends that so I was going like, to meet up with. It's like every country you go to, there's someone you know. Yeah, I, I kind of like planned my trip around that. Because um, my plan was to try and go for as long as I could with a budget. And... I was real flexible about where I went. Like I mm. literally would just jump on this website. I can't remember what it's called now. Skyscanner. Skyscanner. And I would just check what the cheapest country is and I'll just fly there during that time that I was. Oh, yeah. wow. So I didn't have a real plan. So I was in Nepal and I was actually meant to go back home. And I was like, oh, well, why don't I just go to Europe? And then that's kind of why I was like, oh, let's go to Europe. And like had all my friends there. So I was planning to just get a working holiday visa somehow, stay there for a bit and just work. What were you working there as? I didn't, I didn't end up working though. Yeah, well, it was like this trip got cut short because I had like a family emergency. Mm. So I was in London at that time and then I had to fly back home. But that's something I wanted to do still to this day, like go back and finish that off. Yeah, once everything's over. Yeah, not for a while. But it's a good time to save some cash up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now that you're a manager, mm. what do you think are some good traits to be a good bartender? Well, you got to be able to handle yourself well under pressure. Like I said, if you're working in a nightclub or anywhere where there's a lot of volume, there's a lot of eyes on you and mm. you will make mistakes. It's just a matter of, you know, getting used to the fact that if you do make a mistake, there's eyes on you and you're just going to have to move on, not dwell on it. Mm. And it carries on to other parts of your life too, I guess. You know, handling yourself well under pressure, thinking on your feet. 
it helps with you know stepping into other roles in life. So it's a good job to get if you're studying. I recommend if you're a student studying in university, it's a good gig to have. It really opens up your eyes. You meet like some really amazing people, and you kind of learn a lot more about yourself too. Yeah. Are you hinting that your hiring places? <laughs> we are. We are hiring. So shoot your resume for it. But um, COVID. Yeah, so it's a bit different now, actually. It's a bit quieter, right? Surprisingly not, no. It's just very, like, we're very busy. We can only have 300 people in the venue. Only 300? Yeah. Is it a big venue? I've never been there. Yeah, it's very big. It's two two stories. We have a courtyard. Uh Have you heard of El Camino? That's part of the same company, too. Sounds familiar. It's like a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a big venue. So, 300 people inside. They all got to sit down. Oh, there's no dance floor, right? There's no dance floor. That's so it's very sad. different. Yeah. But the energy's still like it's still there. Mm. You know, people come in like we do a lot of we hire a lot of theatrics, so there's a lot of like roaming performers. Like we kind of make it like an experience. So yeah, we try to compensate for a lot of what we're losing out on by making an experience for people, even if they're sitting down, like they can still have fun. Um so, do so, those yeah. people approach you, the theatric thing? No, we, like, it's a fairly big company that I work for. Yeah. Um, you know, the Argo is part of, like, a very big company, Rockpool Dining Group. Mm. Um, so, they've got a lot of resources and we oh. do a lot of, um, they hire a lot of the roaming performers. We have mm. a lot of agencies we work with who, you know, help us out with that. Just so many aspects to it that I've never heard of. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. So, what's the worst experience you've had with a customer? There's like some pretty bad ones where um, people have like overdosed in your club. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. That, that gets pretty hectic. Yeah. There's like fights that happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, the ov- people who overdose, that's yeah, pretty extreme. Like um, I've had like some girl like on the floor, like literally f- foaming out of her mouth. And yeah, and I was like, oh that's when you really got to like be on point like you know think on your feet really mm-hmm. um so that's i would say like that's like quite traumatic worst experience like drunk people and stuff like that but you you get used to it it's part of the job yeah you know when people are drunk they'll yeah but the worst i'd say yeah that type of experience is like did she make the traumatic it? stuff yeah she did actually that's thankfully good. yeah oh, but God. she was in a coma for like a while we had to keep yeah in in in, in the loop of that for a bit but oh, shit. that stuff, yeah, that stuff hits. That's that's like, oh, shit, like, this is crazy. Was that when you were a manager? Yeah, yeah, that's when I was like, I was like, I was like, still consider myself like a kid. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know? had a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 20. This chick's the same age as me. And she's on yeah. the floor, like, foaming out. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm just standing there. But then, you know, you do what you can straight away. You know, you have teams, you have, you know, security guards who are trained in this field. They know how to respond to it. All you got to do is just keep calm. Mm. Yeah. Keep calm and then and stay rational. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't overreact. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone else panics. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, especially if you got your team there with you. Yeah, it's mm. pretty full on. But um, yeah, that, some of that stuff gets pretty hectic. Um, but other than that, yeah, there's a lot of perks to it too. Yeah. The, uh, what, what are the perks of being, working in a bar? It's just, well... Free drinks? Drinks, yeah. You kind of meet this whole new circle of friends, mm. people who work in other bars, meeting people from all over the world. Hospo, 
people from all over Sydney, the crowd that comes in. Oh, yeah. You get to meet the locals. You get to meet people who are regulars. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You meet a lot of cool people, mm-hmm. performers, DJs, singers. Yeah. So working behind the bar, people tend to talk to mm. you, right? Yeah. So what would be... What, what's the best story you've had that you've ever been told? I wouldn't, wouldn't really be a story, but like people do some pretty uh, crazy stuff like for free drinks. Oh, yeah, you, you yeah. do that? Yeah, people do some crazy stuff. I had like a towel that's just like soaked with all the f- liquids on the bar top. Uh. And some guy just grabbed it off me and ringed it in his mouth and just got all that <laughs> gunk in his mouth for a free drink. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can take that. Yeah. I thought you meant like that like... I don't know, flip a deck of cards or something. Oh, no, no, like, no. People get rowdy, yeah. Those guys get for, rowdy. For a free drink. For a free drink, yeah. Yeah, they'll do some crazy stuff. Or just yeah. like suck liquid off the table and yeah. shit. I think when the alcohol hits them, they got no money. People get <laughs> people fuck. do some crazy stuff when they're desperate. Yeah. yeah. But it's pretty funny. I just stand <laughs> there and I was like, oh, if you do this, I'll give you a shot. <laughs> You've done that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Best one. Come on. That's yeah. That's one of the, the best ones. The towel one. Yeah, the towel. So he got a double well. dose. Yeah, literally. Of the yeah. of the, the bar table yeah. juices and the shot you gave. Yeah, him. on the bar top, there's like you know orange juice spilt over from like three hours ago. It's all dried up. There's oh, ice melted. Man. There's different liquids. You uh, don't know what's been on there. Yeah, it's dirt. There's people sweat. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty Ugh. filthy. <laughs> they they go in without shame and they do that. And he'd happily do it again after. Yeah. What a guy, man. What a guy. What a guy. Now that you've finished your degree, mm. are you planning on like moving on soon or? Yeah. So now I kind of like um, want to get back to what I wanted to do originally, you know. So I've managed to get myself a gig working in finance now. Um, so I'm seeing how it's going to be actually. You know, it's been like five years since I was like, oh, I want to go work in the office. I want to get into banking. I want to get into finance and whatnot. So now will be a big, big change for me, different lifestyle, nine to five. But I'll still stay at the bar. I'll still keep my position, just working Friday, Saturday nights. I'll step into more of like a host role now. So I do a lot of like VIP bottle service. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of relationships that you build that you kind of don't want to just cut them off straight away so i think i'm going to stay and just work on that a bit more um and then focus on the nine to five as well until it becomes what i really want to do and just maybe fully step out of hospitality yeah yeah because that that's a big time commitment working nine to five Mm. on top of like working the weekend yeah yeah it'll, it'll be a bit of a grind but that's what i want to do it's kind of like i fell in love with hospitality now Mm. it's been in part of my life for the last five years so now it's actually a big part of my life um and so i still want to continue doing that you know i always told myself that down the road if there's a good opportunity which was to open up some sort of venue uh, maybe that might come alive down the road who knows but i do want to stay involved with it yeah in some in some form so what about your parents did they push you to Use your degree and get out of hospital or... No. So, yeah, like my parents weren't really too, uh, I'd say too anal about, you know, that whole working hospital, working mm. late nights. My mom was at one point, but um, I think they weren't really too, you know, invasive on my life, like trying to be so controlling, making sure I'm going to uni, studying this and that. They were real carefree about it in a way. 
but they kind of trusted me. I feel like they had a lot of trust in me. Like they knew that I, I had a plan or, or of what I wanted to do. I yeah. felt like that might be the case. I never really spoke about it to them, but they never really questioned what I did. Yeah, they never really questioned it. Like when I told them I was just picking up glasses, at first it was like, oh, why the hell are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> why the hell are you mopping up the floor? Yeah. Yeah. But I, but they suck with it. You know, then I was like, oh, well, I'm st- I only have to work two days. I'm making some money for myself. I'm still studying. Yeah, yeah. I think that was you the know, main point. I think that gave them that confidence. And then I guess when I told them that I was offered that management position, I think that's when they were like, oh, wow. I think they were quite um they were quite happy. Mm. Yeah, they're like, oh, you mopping the floors, so now you're managing. That's pretty good. And they, I think they became proud of that because they told everyone that. Oh, so yeah. all my family that's gatherings was like, oh, yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um, but then, yeah, I always felt like they kind of just let me be me. Mm. Uh, never really pushed me to do anything. And so now that I told them that I'm done with uni and I want to do this, they're, yeah, I think they're happy about that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, really yeah. good to hear. Okay, so it looks like it's um, quite a full-on job being a bartender. But well, now that you're a manager, what do you do now? Do you just watch people? Yeah, Bludge shit all. In the office? Yeah. Well, no, you're actually on the floor a lot. I just, oh, walking you're around, walking looking around, at stuff. Looking at stuff, trying to look busy. Nitpicking. Nitpicking. Stuff. Nah, but you, well, like I said, I do a lot more like hosting work too. So I'm always trying to sell tables. I'm trying to like get people in. Um, so I do a lot of that. During my shift, I'm on my phone, like just calling people, posting Instagram stories, trying to get people in. Oh, you manage the, the page? for? Uh, I don't manage it myself, but I use the page to, to get people, like to sort of like generate some sort of lead. Mm. So I'll post on, I'll use the Instagram and like the people who reply to it or I'll post like competitions and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I'll right. do random stuff like that or I'll just be on my phone texting people, trying to get people in if it's quiet. I do that sometimes on my days off. But yeah, that's kind of like what I do. Just give my job a bit more meaning, I guess. Because yeah, <laughs> you don't really do much on, on, on shift. But on your days off as a manager, you do heaps. Because that's when you're preparing and planning. You know, you're planning uh, for like what you're going to do next week. What's the event? You're looking after like your team, your rostering. And then the whole business side of things comes into play. So more on the off. Yeah, on the days that you aren't like running the club, you're doing a lot more of that admin stuff. But when you're actually on the night, it's more of just yeah, roaming around, supervising, and making sure yeah, making sure things are all good. Are you on salary? No, I'm just, I'm a casual man. Oh, that's, that's yeah. So you hell. take your work home and you're not getting like no, I don't burst for it. Well, I don't really do much in terms of when I say I take it home. It's more of just like um, networking. Mm. Yeah, so it's helping me too. Like I've kind of gotten jobs, job offers from from this. Like oh, I've met okay. people who've worked. Like you know, corporate firms, whatnot, people who have their own business, you know, people who are like seniors in like their companies, like a lot of cool people that you meet, and they come in, you know, they like to come in and party and stuff. So you kind of be like that, ah, trying yes. to be that plug, I guess. Yeah, but it helps you because yeah, you meet you meet a, cool, a lot of cool people. Yeah. So do you want to plug the Instagram or whatever it is? I don't have. Use? I don't have my Instagram. What's anymore, the? What's but the you can. Uh, you can. Check out the Argyle Rocks on Instagram. Um, had a crazy Halloween party that just passed this weekend. But uh, we'll, we'll be doing heaps small parties in the summer. So if you guys want to come by, just hit the Argyle Rocks up. How do you spell that? 
the argyle a-r-g-y-o-e or just just message tung <laughs> i don't manage that page just message tung and if you want to come in he'll just message me yeah yeah i'll be like i'll give my phone number but nah but yeah maybe i should get my instagram back i kind of deleted my instagram oh no well. if you want to check out any of our other episodes you can check out our instagram that's at rice and mike's podcast r-i-c-e letter n m-i-c-s podcast or you can email us if you have any questions or any feedback that's at rice and mike's podcast at gmail.com other than that i hope we um hope we covered quite a bit and you learned a bit about the hospitality life in a bar but yeah we'll catch you guys next time have a great week see ya see you later